0: Um, the barrio assemblies and these like you know grassroots neighborhood organizations. A lot of these were sponsored by the church.
1: What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? And you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects.
0: Welcome to the Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Matt Bernico, your co-host on this podcast, and also I'm out here wearing a mask. Not right now, but if I went outside, I'd wear a mask. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Uh, I'm Dean Detloff I'll see your co-host, and uh,
1: I too wear a mask when on the rare occasion, I even leave my apartment.
0: That's a good point. I'm talking a lot of big game here about my mask, and I haven't left my house for a few days, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should shut up about it.
1: Uh, we're really all missing a lot of opportunities to become vigilantes I feel in this particular moment um, and I hope we don't lose that opportunity in the end.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, My five-year-old son has a, um, you know, Shredder from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I know him. (laughs) You're familiar. Uh, He has a Shredder mask and he likes to wear it. And every time (laughs) we go somewhere, he tries to convince me that like the Shredder mask is going to be good enough to wear outside. (laughs) And I want to believe him, but he's got to wear a regular one. It's good enough for
1: Shredder. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you know. (laughs) That's the thing. You never see Shredder sick from any kind of diseases, so that's his mask true. must be working.
1: Yeah, that's right. the The turtles put it on exactly the wrong part of their face, but Shredder he puts it on the right part.
0: <laughs> Not on your eyes, you big dumb turtles.
1: <laughs>
0: uh,
1: why you would ever put a headband on your eyes? I don't know. Uh, all right, this is a uh, this is derailing really quickly. We need to uh, <laughs> we need to find find the thread for this episode fast. Uh, and look, here it is. I I've picked it up. Uh, this uh, this past week, on July 24th, it was the birthday of Ammon Hennessy. If you've never heard of him, Hennessy was a Catholic worker, he was a wobbly, he was a war resistor. he was a bizarre kind of Christian, and he was also an anarchist. Um, he's commonly referred to as a one-man revolution, which is also how he described himself, <laughs> which is very funny. <laughs> That's um, why they referred to him like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he was someone who felt really strongly, to put it lightly, about following his conscience. And he really encapsulates kind of the core of Christian anarchism, TMTMTM.
0: That's right. Uh, And because of the anniversary of Hennessy's birthday, we thought it'd be an interesting thing to stop and take a look at Hennessy's life and witness and figure out what, if anything, uh, is important for the contemporary Christian left. I mean, maybe there's nothing. Uh, But who knows? (laughs) Ammon Hennessey is just like extremely. um, I want to say strange, but that's not the right word. Eclectic Mm -hmm. kind of figure, maybe. Um, I was extremely motivated by him when I was a lot younger in my Mm -hmm. more uh, Christian anarchist days. Um, He is such a I think like he has some some very compelling lines, um, but is also kind of an enigma when it comes to (laughs) politics in the United States.
1: Yeah, um, I feel the same way. He was a big, big deal for me when I was a teen thinking about Christianity and anarchism. I remember like um, there was a page about him. uh, I guess this must have been in like 2007 or 8 or something. And uh, I was reading it and (laughs) there was like some entry that still stood out in my mind about how he became a Christian. He was an anarchist first and he became a Christian. And I was like, nice, great. And then he became uh, a Catholic, and I was like, okay, that's really interesting. And then he left the Catholic Church, and I was like, oh no. But then it said he was a non-church Christian, and I was like, cool. He's still still cool. Back when I was a a weird, extremely bizarre evangelical anarchist, so he he's got that kind of appeal, I think.
0: Yeah, totally. He's kind of all over the map throughout his life, um, but uh, pretty interesting just the same. He is a character, I don't know, we, before we started the show, Dean and I were trying to figure out if there was anyone else in the United States in, that was like like him in any way, and I don't think that there is. He's just like this extreme force to be reckoned with, <laughs> um, but like pretty interesting just the same. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk about him and kind of figure out what he was about and... If there's just, like, anything there that's, like, still really cool to us, maybe just a maybe just a fun story. That's fine. With
1: me. <laughs> I'll say this much. I think um, we could at least, uh, one of the immediate payoffs, I think, would be something similar to the episode we did on Benjamin Lay, which is to say, yeah. this is a person who is extremely idiosyncratic, very, like, unrepeatable is the word that comes to mind for me. Um, somebody who you, you could never have two of these kinds of people in the world, uh, but... Nevertheless, leave behind some really interesting experiments, and uh, their their life itself uh, testifies to the really creative, interesting, strange things that you can get up to if you're a Christian on the left.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. Um, The compare comparing Benjamin Lay and Ammon Hennessy is. Something I'm probably gonna keep doing throughout this episode. <laughs> Not that they were like, I mean, they were both born Quakers, and you can make those kinds of biographical connections, even though that's about it. Um <laughs> But I think there's like a lot of things that kind of draw them together as types of characters that sticks out to me, like about these two, these two people, Ammon Hennessy and Benjamin Lay, is that they both have this like real strong reliance on like on their conscience and just like they're gonna do whatever their conscience tells them to do. And like even if it completely alienates them from other people, they're gonna do it. And um, Man, it's something I really admire about them and something that I, it, it's a, it's a strength, uh, and a, maybe a life <laughs> skill. I do not possess myself. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool to see how people work, work that out and just that, like, man, you can just believe things and it's fine. <laughs> Surprising sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Also,
1: they both Lay and Hennessy they they have this sort of willingness to like ruin their normal life if it means being true to their own convictions, which I think yeah. is also very you know impressive. Whatever kind of weird political disagreements you might have, you can't really deny that's a really heroic thing to do. Um, they're both vegetarians, so there's that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just that they—they they are two people that believe something fiercely, and I think that's something to—I don't know—I that like <laughs> particularly. Well, yeah. let's get into a little bit about Ammon Hennessy and like what he's about, and uh, and we'll kind of uh, go through it a little bit. So the way this episode is going to work is we're going to first um, we're going to read this article that's kind of interesting about him um, that that kind of outlines more of the things that he did in his life that kind of can give you an idea of like the the sort of contours of his life um, a little bit. And then we're going to look at some things that Dorothy Day wrote about him um, and uh, kind of give the, the sort of Catholic leftist texture to his life. So uh, then we'll bring it all together and kind of see what we have at the end of the show. Um, but, yeah, to start off, um, we're going to kind of pull some things from an article that was in the Salt Lake Tribune. That's me supporting local journalism. <laughs> um, the article is called 50 Years Ago. A Catholic anarchist tried to help solve homelessness in Salt Lake City. Here's what happened. Uh, it's an article written by someone named Jeremy Harmon, and it's from 2017. Uh, it's a cool article for a lot of different reasons. It's, first of all, just like good journalism um, about history. But also, there's a lot of like really badass pictures in it um, that are kind of drummed up from an archive. Lots of cool pictures of Ammon Hennessy um, doing his thing, uh, picketing. There's a lot of cool stuff. So I, I love that. I'm a sucker for good histories. So that's what <laughs> I like. Um, this is one of them. Any any black and white picture of someone with a sandwich board? Yeah, that's right. Black white pictures of people in the sandwich board is my uh, it's my vibe. That's that's on my sandwich board. Um, OK, I'm going to just <laughs> kind of start uh, and I'm, I'm going to read a chunk of this to kind of get to, to thrust us into the exciting parts of Amnesty's life. And then we'll kind of talk about what happens next. OK, Um. so the article says this. The neighbors couldn't leave their houses without getting hit up by panhandlers and homeless men who had been using both the front and backyards of 1131 Southwest Temple as a bathroom. <laughs> Hammond Hennessy was inviting as many as 40 transients a night to sleep there, offering his house as the only homeless shelter in Salt Lake City that didn't charge a fee or limit on how long anyone could live there. (laughs) It wasn't uncommon for cops to drop drunk men off at Hennessy's place if there wasn't room at the jail. It was 1965, and his neighbors were frightened and angry. (laughs) Their experience is what today's Simpson Avenue residents feared earlier this year, as they successfully uh, fought a 150 bed shelter proposed for their street. So this uh, kind of tying it in to uh, some, well, this was in 2017, some kind of current events going on there, but this is kind of like um, what, uh, what Ammon Hennessy is really well known for. Um, He was a Catholic worker. He was, um, you know, um, a a draft dodger. He was a tax resistor. He was a a war resistor, all these things. Um, And he was, you know, Catholic worker in New York with Dorothy Day. And um, I mean, his life has tons of stuff going on in it. But Dorothy Day inevitably, like, uh, sends him to Salt Lake City uh, in Utah to start a Catholic worker house there. And he does. And this is what it looks like. Um, It's a place uh, where uh, the unhoused can stay for free. Um, And uh, as you can imagine, the the neighbors weren't super thrilled about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, he is a really fascinating character. Uh, I love I think that's a really great way into who Ammon Hennessy is by just sort of dropping you in the middle of the wife that he was leading. Mm-hmm. Like we said, he he's the kind of person who really lives their conviction and isn't afraid to ruin their chance at like a normal middle class life for those convictions. Uh, but we should back up a little bit um, to talk more about where he comes from. Uh, he was a really interesting character in that he's, he's raised by Quakers in Ohio, good Midwestern person. Um, he, uh, became a committed Christian after he read the Bible, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, uh, scores of times while in solitary confinement as a conscientious objector during World War One. Um, him being in prison is also very funny. Uh he like he would there's like a story about how the the jail was giving people rotten fish on Fridays and he was really upset about that. So he led a a big um a big movement against it and the the people in jail or the, the warden or whatever, they decided to put him in solitary on the um charge, false charge that he was gonna blow up the prison which I think is very funny. And uh so then mm-hmm. in solitary, he read the Bible a bunch and there's this great moment in his, uh I think it's his autobiography where he's talking about how uh when he was reading the Bible, he decided that like Jesus was totally right. And like, yep, he was going to get down. He's going to be a Christian. Uh, but the trouble is it would mean having to love everyone, including the warden. <laughs> and he was like, that was the, the biggest hurdle is he was like, I could love everybody. I could love the guards, all my fellow prisoners, rats and perverts, he says, but like not warden so that was his spiritual discipline (laughs) um so anyway that's the kind of character that he is uh he was a member of the iww we said earlier he was a wobbly um that factors into his life the house that he starts is the joe hill house joe hill's a wobbly martyr um and uh describing his conversion hennessy says i read of jesus who was confronted with a whole world empire of tyranny and chose not to overturn the tyrant and make himself king, but to change the hatred in the hearts of men to love and understanding. So uh, pretty classic um, Catholic worker kind of story. Uh, Lots of parallels with someone like Dorothy Day, but actually some interesting differences too that we'll talk more about later. Um, But uh, just a really kind of um, person of his time in so many ways, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, A person of his time, and also you can see why this would uh, apply would really appeal to 19 year old evangelical me uh, <laughs> as well right the you have this Jesus as a counter like a kind of countercultural person um, and uh, man that's what 19 year old evangelicals love <laughs> Jesus has this other kind of weird guy yeah okay so that's some of the some of the uh, some basic biography stuff um, we're gonna flash back again to Salt Lake City. <laughs> um so uh this is i I guess it's the salt lake city framing like um you know i'm pulling this from a a local news source in salt lake city so that kind of makes sense but this is also like uh one of the kind of important dramas in his life dramas is probably the wrong word but it's like you know one one of the uh like the stories of his life that kind of gets told and retold about um Ammon Hennessy. So it's not like this is coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other things we could talk about, too, like, you know, when he did go to jail or when he was in Arizona and he picketed by himself and all these kinds of things. But still, um, the Salt Lake City kind of stuff is, is sort of an important kind of thing to get a texture for like what he's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this is um, this is 1961 in Salt Lake City. Uh, he opened the first Joe Hill House in a storefront on what is now Market Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Hennessy picked fruit in Bountiful to help pay the rent. People donated food and money and local Unitarians and a few uh, wards of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints offered help. He got his food by what is known today as dumpster diving, said Joan Thomas, who married Hennessy in 1965. (laughs) Grocery stores also donated produce, which he would pick up on foot, pushing a grocery cart to and from the house. She said, (laughs) Um, I love, I love that. That's a great part of the story too. Um, (laughs) Real. Uh, Ammon Tennessee is the first Christian uh, Crest Punk. That's kind yeah, of the yeah. thing that I like about him. That's right. I love his jean jacket
1: um, with all those patches.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's actually I mean, it being Salt Lake City and all and the the strong uh, Mormon population. There's a lot of interchanges between uh, Ammon Tennessee and people involved in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's like really interesting to see those interchanges because sometimes. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if you know anything about Mormonism. I don't know anything about Mormonism really other than that there is like a strong sort of communitarian ethic in sort of some of the history of Mormonism and like the ways that those, uh, those, those general vibes kind of resonated with Ammon Hennessy and vice versa are sort of interesting, hmm. uh, that he wasn't always like, right. Um, what wasn't like outright rejected by, um, by the Mormons or, you know, but other Christians might've looked at him a little bit differently. So sort of an interesting, um, interesting thing but yeah anyways uh that's that's the joe hill house uh the first one uh was a storefront and they got food donated to them um and then dumpster diving pretty (laughs) pretty christian anarchist to me sounds like it um yeah uh in addition to
1: caring for um the homeless and jobless and all the rest of those folks uh hennessy was also known for um, being loud about certain moral positions. Uh, for instance, he, like you said already, Matt, was a war resistor, tax resistor. He was a famous opponent of the death penalty. That was a really big deal. Um, not only did he not pay his taxes because he didn't want his money to go to the military, he also wrote a letter to the IRS each year explaining why he wasn't paying. So I love that. I love to imagine the person getting that letter every year and uh, reading that and trying to figure out how to file that or what to do with it. Um, <laughs> he uh, also, um, while he was running these shelters, the article says that Hennessy continued to protest against capital punishment. He led annual protests on the anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima as the war in Vietnam intensified, he led anti war marches that often ended at the Cathedral of the Madeleine because Bishop Joseph Federal supported the war. So that's great. Uh, when, he survived, when he arrived at Salt Lake City, Hennessy had written to Federal to explain his plans to open the Joe Hill House. In this conservative community, this is a quote from Hennessy, it is likely that folks have never heard of such radical Catholics. Federal responded plainly, I wish you to understand that your activities here do not have our approval and the name of the diocese is not to be used in any way in connection with your actions. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunate, but there you have it. Um, A great sort of uh, picture of Ammon Hennessy himself and his own relationship to all kinds of things at once. The one man revolution Mm -hmm. indeed.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's not going to get him down for sure. uh, This one bishop doesn't care. (laughs) Uh neat. So we have all this stuff going on. Um and it's just like I mean, it presented in this way, it seems kind of like a whirlwind of things that this this guy is involved in. Um, you know, you these like Joe Hill houses, uh, you know, which which there are three of that have to they, they keep getting shut down by uh the health department and like they get reopened at different times. It's a whole it's a whole situation that you can go learn about if you want to. Um, but there's all that going on, there's all this anti-war stuff. Um, I, I guess it just kind of speaks to the way that Ammon Hennessy interpreted, sort of like, I mean, negotiated like how you move your, your types of belief and faith into action, and he just, just really did it <laughs> in some very like, um, explicit ways, which is cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, and behind all that though, lied uh, a type of Christian anarchism, and okay, Christian anarchism is a really I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast a handful of times before. We've talked about Jacques Alule and you know, other folks, um, Leo Tolstoy, etc. And like it's kind of strange. There's not like uh you know there's not like a program to Christian anarchism. There's not like a really like a philosophy to it necessarily either. I mean, there are sort of like philosophies of it and uh theologies of it, but like there's nothing sort of solid, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So um Hennessy, though, was like always self-describing himself as a as a Christian anarchist or a Catholic anarchist or, or one of the two, kind of depending on the time of his life, I guess. Um, and uh, it, it's never <laughs> super descriptive or helpful, but this is how he <laughs> this is how he puts it. Um, Hennessy describes his anarchism by identifying with the Apostle Peter, who he said chose to obey God rather than the properly constituted authorities who placed him in jail, pointing to the victory of these men by courage and peaceful methods. His philosophy relied on voluntary cooperation to act for the common good. An anarchist is somebody who doesn't need a cop to make him behave, he'd say. That's a pretty famous line uh, mm-hmm. from Ammon Hennessy. Um, it's a good line, too. It's a cool one, for sure. But um, these types of, like, cool lines that are at least a little bit, uh, you know, that are, like, uh, they're kind of vague, is all I'm trying to say. Uh, but they give some, like, texture to at least what he believed and kind of, like, why he was doing things he was doing. So, you know... Um, fundamentally against violence um first of all for sure um and you know jesus was was like a person who represented that for him in his life but also other people too like tolstoy and gandhi were Mm the big figures in Hennessy's life um but also like um uh against authority and uh against coercion of all types too because those are extensions of violence especially when they're done by the state so all about voluntary cooperation uh and acting towards the common good so um that's that's like kind of like what's behind some of what he's doing, right? Like uh, you don't need you don't need a state to, to show up and take care of people. You just need to open up your own hospitality house. And <laughs> that's uh, that's how you'll do it. And if you're Ammon Hennessey, the state will just come shut you down when you're too
1: too rowdy.
0: And then you will just open another one. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, well, let's end the biographical schedule. There's tons and tons of stuff that you could say about Ammon Hennessey and his extremely wild life. Um, from his hospital bed, this article says he dictated a final statement to Joan Thomas, uh, saying someday Christians of this state and other states will not take upon them the vengeance of the Old Testament God, but will do as Christ and Gandhi said to do return good for evil. I've been picketing and saying this for the last nine years in Salt Lake City and will continue to do so as long as I live. Um, I'm not sure if there's a vestige of anti Semitism in that particular line of uh, yeah. disparaging the vengeance of the Old Testament God. I know that uh, Ammon Hennessy did struggle with anti Semitism in his life, which was like something that he admits in his autobiography, but perhaps never sorted out. I don't know. Who could say? Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah.
0: I mean, at the very least, that type of framing is, I think, pretty prevalent in yeah. um, some Christian pacifist writing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always it always delineates the Old Testament God as something as, as an angry type of thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I it's don't a know. Big totally um, if point. Not, yeah, totally. It is. Yeah. Um, so it's there whether or not he intends it. But right. It is um, there for sure.
1: But uh, I mean, those limitations are very important. It, it, I'm sure it would be really yeah. interesting to uh, look through Ammon Hennessey's, uh own stuff and try to figure that out, especially in the context of the labor movement, where he's coming from. Um, probably lots of interesting things to say about that, but things that I don't have the skill to talk about (laughs) in this particular context. (laughs) Uh, but in any case, what I do know is that, uh, so Hennessy died in 1970 in the hospital, but the way he got there was, uh, he was, um, he was going to picket, uh, something. I forget what, but he had been like planning this picket for a really long time and he had a heart attack on his way. Um, And the heart attack, this article that I had read was like unsurprising because he had done a ton of like fasting and uh, really hard labor, like manual labor and stuff. And so I guess like the walls of his heart were really weak as a result. Um, So anyway, he ended up in the hospital and he was there for like three days or something before passing. But uh, anyway, a really, uh, you know, like a very sort of heroic end in some ways to like die of a heart attack that you have because you just can't keep yourself away from going to this picket.
0: Yeah, Um, there's a in an essay from Dorothy Day that she kind of notes some things about his death where uh, she says, you know, um, kind of talking about how important Joe Hill was to him as sort of a, a, you know, the martyr of the IWW. And she's like, you know, that's that's how he would have really wanted to go, is kind of like a, a martyr. <laughs> but she's like, uh she says something like, um, you know, his his death wasn't wasn't not triumphant. Uh he went down in this other really um, you know, kind of amazing way. Mm-hmm. Um so that's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you get it though, right? Like he wants his life to 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 mean something in, in the extreme and mm-hmm. uh well, just, just short of being, uh, sort of being assassinated, uh, I guess, uh, going down cause you've, cause you've, cause you've picketed too hard. is pretty good. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Uh, literally working yourself to death to, uh, stop all this bad stuff from happening. Um, right. well, let's, uh, talk about Dorothy Day and her vision of and Tennessee a little bit more. Um, you know, they were really close. They knew each other, each other really well. Um, lots of important stuff in their relationship. What I think is so fascinating about Ammon Hennessy, though, is in the context of the Catholic Worker, which is, of course, a really broad movement that includes all kinds of people. um, People usually talk about, like, Dorothy Day and Peter Morin. Those are the two biggies. Uh, And then there's all kinds of, like, other characters sort of running around, floating around in the Catholic Worker that are all very interesting. But Ammon Hennessy, I think, is one of the most interesting, probably because it just seems to me like he sort of uniquely doesn't fit in exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. in ways that are actually very funny in in some respects. So uh, we should talk a little bit about Dorothy Day's perception of him. So she wrote a number of things about Ammon Hennessy. We've got a couple, uh, but one is an article she wrote called The Conversion of Ammon Hennessy. And in it, she says this. Many among us will call themselves personalists, libertarian, pluralist, regionalist, but he will always call himself anarchist. He is a pacifist and conscientious objector to all war and to all coercion, his picketing is to testify to his consciousness of the dignity and responsibility of humanity. He says, I may not change the world, but I will not let the world change me. Um, I think that idea that he would always call himself an anarchist is really important. You know, Dorothy Day and Peter Moran both occasionally would adopt the label anarchist, but in some pretty qualified sorts of ways. Um mm-hmm you know, they, they would say something like whatever yeah, we're an anarchist, but like, we're also like Catholics or we believe everything the Pope say. And also that the government is bad, you know, um, <laughs> that's a, that's a direct quote from Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ammon Hennessy though, what's so fascinating about him is it's all, I think the roles are somewhat reversed, uh, because he's an anarchist. He also ended up becoming a Christian, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other way around. And, uh, that, order of operations really uh, stays with him in particular.
0: Yeah. Um, probably for the better. <laughs> I don't know. It makes him a, a very interesting person. Um, it, you know, there's this thing, though, about Ammon Hennessy that's that's interesting that he's just like... You know, he's, he's an anarchist first and I think everything else second. Mm-hmm. And... um, And he's only ever a Christian insofar as that, that Christianity is anarchist. And... Um, I think it's a really interesting interpretation or like it's an interesting way to move your, you know, to, to move your faith and in, into your politics and your politics into your faith. Um, because, you know, um, evangelical Christians will always talk about, you know, you always have to be a, a Christian before all things, you know, always putting Jesus first. But, um, but Amon Hennessy uses anarchism to kind of read Christianity and to kind of like, yeah, I mean, craft a type of faith that works exactly for him and probably not for anybody else. <laughs> um. Anyways, it's just like interesting to kind of note that that's that's kind of the setup that at least from my perspective right here, that's it seems like that's how he's got his sort of Christianity worked out. And uh, it is not the same type of Christianity that, uh, you know, evangelicals would have. But it's a it's a different way of kind of crafting a religion and like a, your practice of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is really tough to sort out um, the relationship between those two things, his anarchism and Christianity, because I feel like I don't know exactly, but I just feel that Ammon Hennessy would probably say that he's ultimately a Christian. He would describe himself as a non-church Christian. Perhaps he would say that's his like controlling identity in some respects. But uh, nevertheless, I think you're absolutely right to say that anarchism is the filter through which his Christianity is kind of viewed or that he views it i mean maybe there's a dialectical relationship here or something but uh it's it's tough to say what's so fascinating to me about him is his own relationship to christianity and catholicism is really somewhat fraught like he was baptized and received into the catholic church but he was only catholic for like 15 years and then he left um And he sometimes draws from what he admits are like orthodox Christian interpretations of certain doctrines. But the way that he applies them is kind of anything but orthodox or at least anything but like mainstream, you could say, uh, depending on how you want to interpret that, I suppose. Um, But there's a lot like, you know, if you read biographies of him or some other biographical articles, uh, I was just reading one by this guy named Patrick Coy in a book called A Revolution of the Heart where uh, he says, um, hang on, let me find this quote. <clears throat> he says, uh, he professed, Ammon Hennessy professed not to care about what happens in the afterlife or to be concerned about why what happens does. The point is to live now, to act now, and to do it here in the world. And this is the quote from Hennessy. I'm not at all interested in heaven. I feel that if I do what is right to the best of my knowledge and powers here, that will take care of itself. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's like a pretty good uh, summation of Amon Hennessy's like, Weird religious uh, (laughs) convictions.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, uh, There's there's a point in uh, in one of these Dorothy Day articles where he, you know, she says that like he is not super like theological, and that makes sense. I mean, he's primarily, you know, his um, his Christianity is one that he, I think, developed mostly from reading the Bible in jail. Is Mm -hmm. is kind of the vibe I get, Mm -hmm. Um, and like that's kind of like the formative. The formative theological moment for him. And like, yeah. that's where he's kind of drawing most of his, I think like his Christian energy from and his Christian self understanding from is reading the Bible, yeah, uh, you know, himself in that context. um, And, you know, again, like through, through his own politics.
1: Yeah. Um, this, uh, Koi article, just to add a little bit more to that, that I think confirms it. Um, Koi says, just as Hennessy refused to complicate his anarchistic vision with details. So he refused to engage in what he termed theological hair splitting. Uh, He goes on on to say um, that uh, Hennessy found a lot of meaning in the Catholic idea of grace, but he only infrequently spoke or wrote about his understanding of grace and never attempted to fit it coherently into his philosophy of the one person revolution. This may have been a conscious oversight on his part, for he seemed to think that he was much too engaged in the concretization of the demands of the Sermon on the Mount to complicate matters with orderly theological reflections. So there you go. That's
0: great, though. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to that impulse for sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to get weighed down in theology too much. Um, That's cool. All right, well, here's a little bit more about um, from Dorothy Day about how she saw Ammon Hennessy. So there's this kind of, (laughs) there's this funny story where uh, Dorothy Day and another Catholic worker take Ammon Hennessy to see this opera. um, And Ammon Hennessy, never seen an opera before, as you can imagine. I mean, me, me either, so it's fine. Um, anyways uh, they go see this opera and Tennessee is not impressed he does not <laughs> care about this opera he is not moved by it <laughs> this is kind of the, the report uh, and then Dorothy Day says this he weeps over reality not fiction he told me that when he saw I was a fugitive from Georgia chain gang uh, which is a movie uh, and fiction but that's besides the point, I guess. He went home and he cried all night. I mean, it's a movie that's reflecting real life more than not, yeah. opera, I suppose uh, he himself had been three years in Atlanta and nine months in solitary confinement in the First World War for being a socialist and a pacifist. Um, all men are brothers, he said, and brothers do not kill anyone. If there, uh, it was there in in jail that his conversion began in reading the Bible as he found himself a Christian. So there you go. You get a little bit about what Amin Hensky is about a real like, I don't know, just someone really like bound up in the real struggles of life. And like, you know, not like, a, again, not not like a 19 year old evangelical me trying to be a Christian pacifist and anarchist, uh, you know, just like abstractly against the war. Someone who's like actually invested in the resistance of uh, war and the resistance of taxes and like willing to go to jail for it, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh say what you will about anarchism or whatever but like um pretty pretty badass though a pretty badass thing to do like just to to blew something so intensely that you're gonna go to jail for it that you're gonna like uh really put your life on the line like you've been saying the whole time right surrendering your yourself to live a completely not normal life because uh you believe in something and that's cool Mm -hmm.
1: yeah um well i think uh in light of that it's good to uh, consider how Dorothy Day looks at the end of his life in this article, which I think is really okay. neat. Um, so she says of Amon Hennessy." Uh, we'll talk more about this line, I think later on, but she says in him is no class war, no hatred of any kind. He tosses the word pipsqueak, a Shakespearean word around rather freely, which is jarring to many. And he himself says of himself that he is a braggart, <laughs> uh, but he must speak of what he knows and what he himself has done and can do. He has been made a child of God and heir to the kingdom, and he is going to daily communion to increase the grace that is in him. He will indeed exalt like a giant to run the race. May he work more wonders than Gregory, the Wonderworker.
0: Uh, yeah, that Gregory, yeah. the wonder worker bit is uh, that. That's when he was, I think, uh, baptized in the Catholic Church. Was oh, it. yeah. Yeah. It was on that's, the feast day of St. Gregory. That's awesome. The wonder worker. You know that one.
1: Yeah, right, right. We all know him. We all know St. <laughs> Greg. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I like that, though, because it just gives you a flavor of who um, Hennessy is. Just this goofy guy um, who just admits that he's a braggart runs around calling people pipsqueaks. People are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and I like that. Just like a, a goofy character.
0: Yeah, totally. He is definitely a goofy character. Um, all right, well, let's move on a little bit more than That was all from uh, the stuff we just have been reading. It's from an essay called The Conversion of M Hennessy. Uh, by Dorothy Day, and we're going to move on to another essay that Dorothy Day wrote. Um, Reflection, maybe not an essay. Who knows? Called Ammon Hennessy, a non-Church Christian, which um, tells you a little bit more. I-, I think about yeah, I mean, just the way that he he reads his politics into his Christianity and, and vice versa, and like how that works out for him and well, doesn't work out for him uh, in terms of Catholicism. Um, but before we get into like some of the, the big stories, there's this kind of funny story about. Um, Yeah, the way that Dorothy Day thinks or thought about Ammon Hennessy when he was kind of in the Catholic Worker House in New York. So she says this. One of the great things that Ammon did for the Catholic Worker back in the 30s, um, we began publishing in 1933. So That's when the Catholic Worker newspaper came out. Was to increase our ecumenical spirit. There's not much talk of ecumenicism in those days in the Holy Roman Catholic Church. His association with us began in the city of Milwaukee, where he was living at the time and where he had a house of hospitality. Communists, socialists, anarchists, and an assortment of unbelievers and Protestants of who knew what denomination used to come to our Friday meetings. Uh, so I guess, like, <laughs> what what's funny, I guess, about this is that... Uh, uh, Dorothy Day is talking about how there wasn't much talk of ecumenicism in the Catholic Church during the 30s, um, <laughs> except for Ammon Hennessy, who would bring around all of these like <laughs> absolute weirdos to the Catholic <laughs> worker house. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I guess Protestants of of who knows what denomination, fine, but also like <laughs> atheists, anarchists, and socialists and communists—they're all coming. They're all coming over <laughs> to the Catholic worker house for dinner.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, some of that would have been certainly shared by Dorothy Day 2, right, who had been a yeah. CPUSA member um, and had a, a certain sense for collecting all kinds of different folks as well. But it is very funny to see Ammon Hennessy as like the, the guy running around inviting everybody to dinner. Um, she goes on to say, before he came to New York to join us on the staff of the Catholic Worker, while he was still working in, uh, at farm labor, he introduced us to the Molokans, the Duke of Wars, the Hutterites, and many other sects which had come to this country to escape war and conscription in their own countries. When he came to live with us, he began to attend the meetings of the War Resisters Leagues, uh, meeting at community church, at Methodist churches, and with Jewish Episcopalian and other War Resisters. He was interested, in fact, in all religious points of view if they resulted in a real effort to conform one's life to one's profession of faith uh and i also love that about Ammon Hennessy. he's like i don't know i don't care what you believe but like if you are willing to throw down then like i'm interested <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever totally. you're gonna do as long as you like put up or show up that's all that counts for Ammon.
0: yeah what can you say that's a good it's good it's <laughs> <That's> a good <laughs> way to think about it um it's cool yeah i love this though he's he seems like he's like really clu- like clued into the community he seems like he knows all these like you know um wild folks who have traveled to i mean you know, the the Duke and the Hutterites and the Mullicans, they're all people who've come from Europe to kind of like, uh, uh, es- you know, like they probably came from Europe to escape the religious persecution of like being conscripted in the army in the first place. Right. So they're here and kind of finding a uh, a common traveler <laughs> with emergency. Mm-hmm. So pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um Dorothy Day goes on to say a lot of things about Ammon Hennessy's anti-clericalism. He, you know, he's a Catholic. He's, um, you know, he's in the Catholic Workhouse, all these things. But he is, like, not a fan of Catholicism. (laughs) You know, like, um, again, like, as far as Catholicism is sort of on the same page of, of, like, the way that he understands Christianity and, like, who Jesus is as a person um, and as God. Uh, things are cool but like you know where they depart Ammon Hennessy is like gonna let it rip and is uh, ready to kind of throw down and critique them um, and sometimes that was received really well in um, in the Catholic Worker and in the Catholic Church in uh, New York and sometimes it wasn't uh, Dorothy Day does tell this like, quick story that like one time he just let a few sort of like a slight jab at the Catholic Church fly in a Catholic Worker article and that upset a lot of people in their community <laughs> Um, but other times, uh, not so much. Uh, so here's one other story that kind of runs contrary uh, from Dorothy Day. She uh, reports that one priest said of Ammon's anti-clericalism that perhaps he saw the sins of the church as a human institution far more clearly than we did. Another priest said of Ammon that he had received so great a light during that first jail sentence uh, of his time in Atlanta penitentiary that it had blinded him. He had read through the Bible nine times and all but memorized the Sermon on the Mount. When he came out, uh, he had become a Bible Christian, not in the sense of a sect, but uh, of one who accepted the word, <laughs> says. So <laughs> um, you get these two different views of, of Ammon Hennessy in this story. Right. On, on the one hand, he's uh, he's the guy that can see the problems with the church uh, better than people in the church can. And the other mm-hmm. one, he's this guy who just like. Uh, He's a little over the top. The you know, the light had blinded him and now he can't see anything but the Bible or something. <laughs> um, so pretty cool. Um, a pretty cool guy on <laughs> these pretty cool takes about uh whether or not he's good or not in Catholicism. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh I mean that's what I love about Amon Tennessee is he's just somebody who sticks to his guns, I think, regardless of how how bizarre they are. Um and I mean, we're definitely getting Dorothy Day's gloss on Am Tennessee, right? Uh, which is for better and for worse. Um, but I think it's nice to refract him through Dorothy Day a bit because you kind of you can see where she's almost uh, being like using diplomatic language to describe him yeah. in some ways. And I think that uh, sort of says um, as much as needs to be said in some respects. Um She also says, uh, trying to draw Ammon a little bit into their own movement, I think in a helpful way, that Peter Warren quoted Cardinal Newman saying, if you wish to reach the man in the street, then go to the man in the street. The war resistors, she says, have a motto, wars will cease when men refuse to fight. Ammon went directly to people and and persevered in friendship with them, though he soon realized that they were not going to go very far in building up a new society. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's also a very funny Ammon Hennessy thing. It's like he's so idiosyncratic that this idea of the one man revolution is like he's willing to go out in the streets and get anybody he can to get out there with him. Uh, But at the end of the day, like he has no uh, no intention and no belief that like people could actually build some sort of organized um, resistance or something like that. The best you can hope for is that you get everybody to like change themselves in some uh, conversion or something like that.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, that's kind of his experience, right? Of like reading the Bible in jail and like coming out the other side, this sort of different type of person. But uh, that particular arrangement doesn't (laughs) work out so well, as we've seen historically speaking. Uh, People are bad at bettering themselves.
1: Yeah, people are bad at bettering themselves. Um, they're even worse at that than they are at getting together and doing organized resistance. So that's my feeling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. Uh this is this is a little bit more about his sort of theological texture from Dorothy Day. She says one of Ammon's favorite quotations from scripture was, Let him who was without sin cast the first stone, which is something that he ends up quoting a lot in the book of Ammon. Um and and uh it's it's also like um kind Of, like, one of those like founding ideas in uh, in, in non violence, right? Like, in in judgment, and, and sort of like the resistance of the state, too. Like, uh, if uh, you know, if the state is going to start casting stones and accusing people of things in um, that kind of that kind of situation, like in a courtroom or whatever, mm. right? Like, who are they to do so because uh, they're just enacting violence themselves, right? So, that's kind of uh, one of the one of the scriptural ideas, I think, at the bottom of some of Ammon's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, anyways, uh Dorothy Day goes on to say, though, that that was a uh, let him who was without sin. Casper Stone is uh, a, a thought he used to, uh, to to speak in relation to judges, especially Judge Julius Hoffman, who has been sitting all these long months in Chicago and <laughs> the Chicago 7 trial, which is uh, a, a, a dig uh, into the into the history. But um, Chicago 7 trial is a big deal. Uh, Bobby Seals, a lot of other people were a part of it. Don't read about Chicago 7 trial. It's not important for this exact episode.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I love, too, that uh, Ammon Hennessy was plugged into what was going on with the Black Panther Party and the Vietnam War and everything else, <laughs> so it's all very funny. Uh, yeah. So Dorothy Day closes this one out saying, uh, she says, I must admit that Ammon was a great one to judge when it came to priests and bishops, and his words were coarse on many an occasion so that it was hurtful to me to hear them loving the church as I do. But there's that love-hate business in all of us, and Ammon wanted so much to see priests and bishops and popes stand out strong and courageous against the sin and the horrors and the cruelty of the powers of this world. But we cannot judge him, knowing so well his own strong and courageous will to fight the corruption of the world around him. Uh, What I love about this is um, it shows you the distance, I think, between Ammon Hennessy and Dorothy Day, that uh, you know Dorothy Day really did um, want to be a good, faithful Catholic. Um, for better and for worse, in a lot of respects. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing thing that she tried to sort all that out. But Ammon Hennessy was basically like, you have to earn my respect,
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, it's very easy to lose. I think Ammon Hennessy's respect, and in that respect, he's also a, a really fascinating non-church Christian. Uh, somewhat, again like Benjamin Lay, right? Somebody who's not going to let his own faith community get away with um doing things that he thinks are compromises with what Christianity calls you to do. Um and what I think I appreciate most is that Dorothy Day recognizes that distance and she doesn't try to close it. Like she doesn't try to say that actually they really think the same thing deep down or like right. you know, if only Ammon had been more like us or something, but she sort of lets him be who he is and say it says, Yeah, like we can't judge him. He uh did did what he had to do. And I think that is a really uh, also, sort of model disposition from Dorothy Day, which I think a lot of Catholics unfortunately forget about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's cool. Um, it it sounds like I I mean I like that Dorothy Day is not yeah just like lying about it or or trying to uh, yeah have some kind of like false sense of unity with him when there isn't one. But uh, it seems like she's someone that actually kind of respects him in a bunch of ways. So that's good. Okay, so we have Ammon Hennessey. We've kind of laid out his life a little bit. I mean, there's a lot more that we could talk about. Um, there's a ton of stuff that we just don't have time to talk about on this podcast. But I think what we've done is kind of lay out a little bit about, like, kind of what he did in, in some aspects, right? The Joe Hill House, he was, like, this um, this person that was basically, like, providing a place for people to live, um, which, you know, he thought was uh, at the core of the gospel, which I think he's right, but it's the same. <laughs> uh, that's what he did right and uh it, sometimes he got in trouble for it uh sometimes it was fine uh he was a war resistor. he didn't want to pay his taxes because he didn't want to go to the military or he didn't want to go to uh you know uh, capital punishment or something all these things um and we have this uh some of these like these like theological textures too where he's like this uh this christian um that is reading a lot of christianity through um through socialism through the IWW through anarchism um, and uh, through this like extreme dislike for any type of coercion so we have all of these things <laughs> so now we have to figure out what we can say about him as a person <laughs> and what he's what he means what do you, what does he mean to us i don't know um dean what what did we get from amon hennessy like what's the point yeah i
1: mean it's tough in some ways to figure out what you can get from amon hennessy because he doesn't really offer you much more than himself. I think he tries to offer a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you, if you read Ammon Hennessy, uh, like he wrote a book called the book of Ammon, which the title of which I feel like is already suggestive enough. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's an autobiography, but it's also like a series of aphorisms trying to give you like good quotable lines, uh, to put on like your anarchist sandwich board or whatever. um, so there's that. But I think that really what he offers is himself in a certain respect, right? Like in the same way that Benjamin Lay, their their lives kind of bear witness to um, the kinds of radical patterns of life that Christianity might lead you into. I think that is quite impressive, Um and I think there's like, I don't know, there's a lot of things where I disagree with Ammon Hennessy now uh, that I wouldn't have back when I, like all the things I thought were especially exciting about Ammon Hennessey when I was a teen are all the things that I've sort of rejected as an adult. <laughs> but uh, you can't really get around the fact that at the end of the day, Ammon Hennessey is uh, putting in the work. I mean, putting in the work so much so that eventually he'll have a heart attack of it. And... Uh, I think that's what at least I get from Ammon Hennessy at this stage of my life, rather than in the past when I used to get, uh, I don't know, a lot of good advice. <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah. What was the good advice that you thought Ammon Hennessy was giving you when you were when you were a child? Yeah, you yeah. All your childish things.
1: Yeah, right, right. When I was still a tiny Christian baby, I, um, I got, I think that connection between pacifism and anarchism was a big one. Um, I also got a lot of really great, really great, um, quotable lines. Uh, Amon Hennessey has lots of cool lines about how, like you, you said that one earlier, um, an anarchist is a person who doesn't need a cop to make them behave. I think that's really great. Um, or at least I did at that time. Uh, I remember also there was this one line that he had that was something like, uh, um, addressing lawmakers, and he said uh, laws are bad because good people don't need them and bad people don't obey them. Um, right. And back when I was a Christian anarchist, I was like, yes, exactly. That, <laughs> that's exactly how it is. <laughs> uh, now that I'm older, like I said, I sort of don't feel that way. But I do think at that time uh, he offers some some quippy lines that are pretty suggestive in helpful ways. And also he offers, a, you know, a, an integrated Christian political life. Uh, no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I think that makes sense. Uh, I mean, looking back kind of on my intellectual development or or whatever, (laughs) being self-reflective for a moment, I think that uh, Amon Hennessy was a really good sort of like path away from a certain type of Christianity toward a different one. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just like you said, all those things were really important to me too, right? Like figuring out pacifism and Christianity and how, um, you know, using those two things together, you can become someone who rejects the state and rejects violence and all these kinds of things. But I, I think, like, I mean, and, like, cool. Like, if that is something that, like, really works for you, then, like, great. I'm not trying to, like, diminish that at all. Mm-hmm. But for me, I guess this, this is a good way to kind of sidestep away from a type of liberalism uh, towards more radical ways of thinking about Christianity. Um, and that's a good thing. The the thing that still sticks out to me about ammon Hennessy, though, is, like i don't know maybe this just speaks to my my weak will and like bad character as a person or something (laughs) but like can you imagine living your life where you just have like a set of values that you hold so dearly that you would just completely like wreck yourself for it's kind of amazing (laughs) and like it sounds i mean it sounds like a joke but like i don't know um I have a podcast where I'll talk about <laughs> I talk about communism <laughs> on it, <laughs> right? But like uh, in real life, if if like some stranger approached me and like started asking me questions about communism, I'd be like really apprehensive to talk to them about it. I would be like really weird about it, you know? Um, I wouldn't be like super gung ho and and uh, ready to uh, ready to throw down about it like Eminem might. So I, I guess all, all I'm trying to say is that uh, the ability to like wear your um... <laughs> The ability to wear your values on your sleeve and just to be like so completely into it is kind of amazing to me. <laughs> it's maybe something I wish I was. I, I guess maybe I wish I was like that. I don't know. Maybe not, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like that. But it's like a, just an interesting like example of a way you could live your life that I think is pretty courageous and kind of heroic.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think though in a certain sense that uh that virtue is also Amon Hennessy's greatest vice or or the the, the what's yeah. so exciting about it is also what I think is exactly wrong with it in a certain respect. Um Yeah. Right? So like the one-man revolution uh certainly Amon Hennessy was a one-man revolutionary force. I think that's true. Uh, but also the one man revolution did not end the Vietnam war. (laughs) Right. Uh, and, uh, probably went a really long way in helping to stop it. I wouldn't diminish the effort by any, any stretch, but, um, at the end of the day, uh, Ammon Hennessy does genuinely think that the revolution starts in everybody's heart. And from there, that's all you can really hope for. Um, Mm -hmm. Which, again, when I was younger was great, uh, but now that I'm older, I think is, is uh, more, it's less realistic than hoping that you can get all the other people involved, which Ammon Hennessy thought was supremely unrealistic. So I, yeah. I think the, the heroic narrative of Ammon Hennessy is fantastic. I'm happy that he existed in the world, did what he did, but um, it's also kind of like the last thing that anybody needs
0: in, in like actual political organizing circles, too, in some respects. Well, I guess if you're going to end up alienating a lot of people, then yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's cool that he was like really into it in of this course. very serious way. Of course. Um, Yeah, but no, I think you're right. Um, The, the one man revolution, the uh, waiting for everyone's hearts to be strangely warmed, like John Wesley or whatever is uh, <laughs> oof, keep waiting. <laughs> yeah, Um, but nevertheless, I don't know, Ammon Hennessy. I don't
1: know. Keep uh, keep praying for everybody's hearts to change while you're in heaven, I guess. And we'll we'll see. We'll see if the the one person revolution can become a many a many one person revolution. Uh, I guess that's the Ammon Hennessy help. Thanks for listening to The Magnificast. If you like what you heard, you can support us on Patreon at patreoncom slash The Magnificast. We are really appreciative of everyone who does donate to us there. We have a, an extra podcast. We we'll there once a week called the lock-in where we talk about current events you can find that there you can get a cool sticker if you donate at ten dollars a month for three months um lots of good stuff you should check out at the patreon uh you can buy other stickers at our Redbubble store you can find us on twitter you can find us on facebook at the Magnificast basement and you can send us an email at the Magnificast at gmail.com we'll see you next week oh wait shoot our music by as always, Morrie Armstrong, and our outro is by the illogical Spoon. The morning, See you next week. in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth, and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no damn between us and our Lord. Jackson keep your hoods up, when well, you keep your hoods up, and you stay up late in Jackson, you keep your hoods up, when well, you keep your hoods up,
0: and you
1: stay up late, oh don't mind the cold night, but we might mind.